0: paperback bibles on the back table you're welcome to take one and if you don't own a bible you can take that home our gift from us to you uh but we're in first corinthians 12 and I, I just love how these passages that we've been going through has really lined up uh with our, the time frame of our launch of every week services here in Nuuanu. so last week uh we were at harbor honolulu out in kakaako and uh the passage we were in last week was 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through uh, 12, and that was on the spiritual gifts. And so th- I thought that was really cool, where we were commissioned last week, we were prayed for, and the topic that we were on was the spiritual gifts, uh, the gifts that the Spirit gives us to build the church. And then this week, we're going to be looking at how the Spirit builds the church. So I thought it's just such an appropriate passage as we launch into every week's services uh, that we would start with how the Spirit builds His church. And um, the thing is, we, we didn't plan it to be this way. This is just how it fell. So I, I love how the, Lord, um, how the Lord works those kinds of things out. So we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. As we think about this, this idea of the Spirit growing the church, the Spirit building His church. Right, when it comes to growth, not every kind of growth Right is 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 a good thing, right? I, I think about the, the the second leading cause of death in in America, right? The first is heart disease, but right behind it is is cancer, right? And, and, and cancer is, is is these cells, right? Cancer cells that grow out of control and crowd out the normal cells. So not every growth is a is healthy growth. Is growth that we want. So what does it look like for healthy church growth? What does it look like that the Spirit builds his church? And so Paul's going to be answering some of that question today in in this chapter. So let's dive right in. In verse 12, Paul says, For just as the body is one and many parts, and all the parts of that body, though many are one body, so also is Christ." For we will all baptize by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. So here's Paul saying, right? He, growth doesn't begin with us. It is, it's the spirit. It's the spirit who gives the growth. And the first way that he builds growth in the church is building unity. Building unity. The spirit Builds unity in the church. Right, Paul is saying here that we are many parts. We are one of many parts and that we are part of one body. But the thing is, right, we're not just part of a body. We are the body of Christ. Right, see how Paul words it back in verse 12. He says about the body, right? Though many are one body, but then he says, so also is Christ. Right, saying that we are the body of Christ. And he's going to say that explicitly in verse 27. So just as Christ right, was given a physical body while he walked this earth, and he was one, he was unified in that body, right, where he lived and died and rose again, right, we are the physical manifestation of the body of Christ on this earth. The physical manifestation of the body of Christ here on this earth. We are the body of Christ, and then Paul describes how we how this unity happened. How do we become one? How do we become one body? He says here it's in the spirit. Now here's where I like the ESV translation a little better. We use the CSB um, translation, but I like the ESV better here, right? The CSB says right for we were all baptized by one spirit but i believe it's better worded that it was in one spirit that the esv talks about it was in one spirit that we were baptized we were in other words we were baptized in the spirit right and so there's a lot of confusion over the years about baptism in the spirit and a lot of it's because of the different translations here that we have um but it's not the best translation when because it's not the Spirit who does the baptizing. It's the Spirit that is the substance in which we are baptized, right? And we see that by the context, the context, right? Because Paul goes on to say that we were all given one Spirit to drink, right? So the Spirit is like a raging river that we were baptized in, and we drink of it. So being baptized in the Spirit... It's different from being filled by the Spirit, right? It's used differently in the New Testament, right? Being filled by the Spirit happens at many times in the life of the Christian. But being baptized in the Spirit happens once at salvation, right when we came to faith in Jesus. And who is the baptizer then? If we're baptized in the Spirit, in this raging river in which we drink, who's the baptizer? Jesus. Right In the Gospels, Jesus said, right, John the Baptist said that he baptized with water, but Jesus was going to baptize them with the Holy Spirit. Right, so in this text, Paul is saying that we are drenched, we are flooded in the Spirit. Right, the Spirit, again, is that raging river that we were brought in. Every single one of us right, who have trusted in Jesus, as their Savior and King, we're all part of that experience. In other words, all of us has been baptized in the Spirit. No follower of Jesus is left out. There's no two-tier Christians. There's not some Christians who are baptized in the Spirit and some who are not. No, all Christians, all followers of Jesus are baptized in the Spirit. It doesn't matter your background. doesn't matter your economic status or your level of spiritual maturity. Right? We've all been baptized in the Spirit. And we come up out of that river as members of the body of Christ, right? We are unified, right? That's what the Spirit brings. He builds unity. And I'm so encouraged just how I've seen unity reflected in our church in just so many ways. Uh, I just think about over the last months as a church, we were praying and seeking the Lord and and getting ready for, for having every week services here in Uwanu. I see unity in our gospel community groups, in our women group, in our church gatherings where we're growing together and we're learning together, we're praying together, we're caring for one another's needs, and we're worshiping God together. Right? This unity of the Spirit, Right? it's a gift that's given to us that, that he builds in us. Second way he builds the church is he, he builds our diversity. Diversity. Paul writes right back into verse thirteen: whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, all and we were all given one spirit to drink. Indeed, the body is not one part, but many, but many. Right. So Paul describes diversity in this list. Right. He's talking about Jews and Gentiles. He's talking about slaves and those who were free. Right, so the church is, is made of people from all types of backgrounds, ethnic backgrounds, all types of socioeconomic statuses. Right, we, we get a vision in the book of Revelation of the, the, the universal church, right? This beautiful vision from people from every nation who have been redeemed by the Lord, worshiping the Lord, unified all together but diverse in so many different ways. And and we want our church, and we pray that our church reflects that as as much as possible, right? We want to see people uh, be a part of our church from different cultures, different backgrounds, right? Different ages and stages of life. In our world today, there's so many reasons for people to stay just divided. And I think the church has this great opportunity to show that we can be different yet unified by our faith in Jesus. Right, imagine a group of people. Right, and in that group there are people in their 70s, in their 50s, in their 40s, in their teens. Right, people from inside this community, people from outside this community. Right, people in this group that work in administration, that work in sales or education or transportation in the food industry. Right, imagine this group filled with mothers and fathers and aunties and uncles, Kids, married, unmarried, right? People who love art, people who have a passion for music, sports, cars, what books. But yet, all these differences, all these different ages and stages of life, yet they can come together and love one another deeply and love the Lord. And I think people that see that from the outside. Right, they'll say, wow, that is just so attractive because it's so hard to get people together that come from different ages, stages, and passions in life. And yet that is the church. That's what the Spirit has brought together. This beautiful reflection of the diversity of the body of Christ. Now, one of the things that can challenge diversity in the church is when we try to make others like us, right? To try to conform others to a certain mode, right? It's like trying to tell the foot to be a hand when it's really a foot, right? Paul writes in verse 15, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. It is not for that reason, any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. It is not for that reason, any less a part of the body. It's really common for Christians to feel like they don't belong in a church family. And one of the reasons that can happen is if we try to conform and, and, and uh, yeah, conform all the church body to be one part of the body or to be one group's conviction within the body. So maybe a church studies the Bible all the time. Right? They have three Bible studies a week. They read through the Bible five times a year. Right? And so they have a passion to read and be in the scripture. That's a good thing. But, but someone comes up and says, well, hey, how are we reaching non-Christians and loving them in our neighborhoods and in our communities? But then the church says, oh, no, you know, we don't want to get involved in that. We don't want to be defiled because we're holy. We don't want to be stained by sin, right? We want to just study the Bible, right? See, but that church misses out on this aspect of the body, right, that wants to reach the community, Or maybe a church could be passionate for reaching the poor and the the marginalized in their community, which is a good thing. And they're always looking to fill needs in the community. But if you were to ask them, well, how are we going to share the gospel with them? How are we going to tell them about the need for repentance and forgiveness of sins? And that church says, oh, no, we don't want to talk about spiritual things. We just want to focus on physical needs. Well, they miss out on this vital aspect of the preaching of the gospel. Right. all parts of the body right, should be functioning and operational within a church. We need that diversity and the different gifts to be utilized within the church body. He builds diversity. Another thing the Spirit builds in us is he builds a dependency, a dependency upon one another. Here's what Paul writes in verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts of the body just as he wanted. And if they were all the same part, where would that the, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, these parts of the body that are weaker are indispensable right paul saying that each part each person plays a part in the body of christ and the rest of the body can't say that they are not needed but right? they are vital so, right so here's paul's giving an example of a feet right the rest of the body can't say oh the feet you know they're not that important They're not very flashy, right? When you meet somebody, the first thing we don't look at is their feet, right? That's probably the last thing, right? We cover our feet with with shoes, right? So the feet is not uh, the center of attention. It's not the first part of the body that's seen. It's not flashy. But here's the thing, right? We get nowhere without our feet, right? We can have all the ideas and dreams we have, but if we don't have feet, we're not going to go anywhere, right? The parts of the body that seem un unextravagant, maybe even unimportant, Paul's saying they are absolutely vital. Absolutely vital. And a lot of times, we don't realize that they're vital until we, we lose. Lose it, right? Like for me, I broke my toe uh, about a week and a half ago. Uh, just doing something foolish, grabbing something from the the, um, uh, the closet, this huge wooden piece fell on my middle, middle toe, crushed it. Uh, thank God it was an area where I can walk on it. But the very first day that I broke my toe, I screamed the loudest I've ever screamed before. It was so sore. All my plans for the day got thrown out the window. All I was doing was icing my foot and elevating it. And resting that entire day I had all these plans to do all these things but all of that went out the window and it changed everything just how I give my kids a shower to how I move around the house to how I took a shower just everything was changed just by one toll and it wasn't even the pointer toll the big toll this the middle toll that I wouldn't think was a big deal but that one little toll changed everything Right, the parts of the body that we think are unimportant are absolutely vital, right? The feet, right? See, people with gifts like maybe hospitality, gifts of service, gifts of mercy, right? They're like the feet, right? If you got this gift right, you're working hard. But a lot of the time, that hard work is in the background. It, it goes easily unnoticed, often unappreciated, But here's the thing, we get nowhere without you. Then we have parts of the body like the the hand or the face, right? These are gifts maybe like leading or teaching or, or like miracles that we saw last week. Gifts that are more noticed and I think more praised. It's tempting for the hand and for the face to think, oh, I don't need the foot. And it's tempting for the foot to say, oh, I'm not the hand or face, so I must not be a part of the body. But again, the body gets nowhere without the feet. See, people uh, can hear the gospel through teaching and preaching, but they need to also experience the love from the gospel through acts of service and mercy and hospitality, where right? as we welcome people into our homes, as we serve them and care for their needs, and in acts of mercy and generosity. They need to hear the gospel, but also experience the gospel through the church. Maybe you know the gift that God has given you, and maybe, you, maybe, and, and I have uh, you struggle with you know thinking that that gift is the right fit for you. You're like, oh, I don't know if like, man, like, I don't know if this gift is a good fit for me. But Paul encourages us, right? If, if that's you, if you feel discouraged about that, look at verse thirteen or verse 18, verse 18, right? Paul says, God arranged each one of the parts of the body just as he wanted, right? That is God's plan, and God's plan is always best, so we can trust him. He knows us better than we do. He created us, and he knows which gift best fits us. But here's another thing, right? Is It, it is a good thing to desire to want more spiritual gifts, That is a good desire, and Paul's going to talk about that later on. But just as long as our intentions for those gifts is to glorify God. That if the Spirit would give us more spiritual gifts, it would be in order for Jesus to be praised and worshiped, for others to experience Jesus. But we need one another, all parts of the body. Spirit builds dependency on. Among us. Here's the last thing he builds, I see in this this passage. He builds care for one another. The Spirit builds care for one another. Let's look at verse 23. And those parts of the body that we consider less honorable, we clothe these with greater honor. And our unrespectable parts are treated with greater respect, which our respectable parts do not need. Indeed, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable, right? The gifts that don't seem to stand out, right? The feet that that go easily unnoticed and unappreciated. Right here, right? God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable. So that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. And God has appointed these in the church. First, apostles. Second, prophets. Third, teachers. Next, miracles and gifts of healing and helping, leading, various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all do miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? but desire the greater gifts. And I will show you an even better way. Paul's talking about having the same concern for one another, whether it's concern for the hand, concern for the feet. When I broke my toe, all my attention went to my toe. All of it. And I couldn't go anywhere without it. And so when one part of The body of Christ suffers no matter what that part would be, right? There is a concern that the rest of the body of Christ should have. Paul is calling us to have that kind of concern for one another because God has that concern for every member of the body of Christ. See, those who are the the feet, the toes, the parts of the body that don't get face time, right? They go overlooked often. And Paul says in verse 24 that Paul, God gives greater honor. God gives greater honor to the less honorable, right? God honors the parts of the body that go unnoticed, unrecognized. And right? maybe a lot of us, right, we, we've had situations like that where we've, we've served the Lord, we worked hard, we loved others, often under the radar, often without a thank you, a show of appreciation and and. Maybe you get discouraged by that. Well, let me encourage you by Hebrews 6.10. Right, God encourages the Christians who were serving, but, but were being overlooked and feeling forgotten. The Hebrew writer wrote, "'For God is not unjust. "'He will not forget your work and the love "'you showed for His name when you serve the saints.'" And you continue to serve them. Right, not preaching, not doing miracles, not doing these extravagant things. Paul, uh, the, the Hebrew writer is saying that you love the Lord. This is, again, Hebrews 6.10. You love the Lord through serving them. And these, these these Christians must have felt like, gosh, I'm serving God's people, and I'm continuing to serve them, but I feel forgotten. And so the writer says, God will not forget your work and the love that you have. If you ever feel forgotten, unappreciated, just know that the Lord, he sees you. None of it goes under the radar for him. And he honors, right, the parts of the body that often go unnoticed unnoticed and unappreciated. So that should encourage us, right, as we serve the Lord, that our work is precious in the eyes of the Lord whether that's lifting up cafeteria tables, getting ready for Sunday service, whether it's serving in our cakey ministry, whether it's washing out food trays after serving food, whether it's welcoming and and, and, and loving people that come to our services, whether it's cleaning your home so that you can welcome others into your house, or going to a coffee shop and, and just listening to another Christian, encouraging them, just just consulting them as they share their struggles and, and their hardships with you, being a, a good listener to them and, and praying for them. God sees all of those things. They're valuable in the eyes of the Lord. Right? So those of us serving in those kinds of ways, right, you are essential, absolutely essential to the health and the growth of the church. And Paul wants to make sure that those who have the more noticeable gifts understand that they cannot do it alone. While those who have the quieter gifts, the gifts that don't make a lot of noise, for them to know that they are essential and that they belong to the body of Christ so that there's no division. And Paul's saying, right, the ultimate goal is that we all would have the same concern for one another. So we want to be a church community where people come where you come and you experience right this care and compassion of Jesus but we also want you to experience the blessing that comes from caring and showing compassion to others as we as members of the body of Christ serve one another with the gifts and the resources that God has given us and to experience that care from one another. Now, that can happen here on Sunday mornings, uh, to, I think to a small degree, but that happens in even greater degrees whenever we gather outside of Sundays, like our gospel community groups, right? That's where a lot of this, this care and this compassion happen. It's where relationships can be built up and, and grown. We have two uh, gospel community groups right now. Uh, one, one meets uh, on Mondays at Salt Lake, and another meets here in Uwanu on Wednesdays. And um, we want to have more. We want to plant more gospel community groups. If you're someone that loves the host, right, we're, we're, we're looking to, to plant another gospel community group. Or if you want to get involved in a gospel community group, uh, come talk to me after service, and, and we can get you plugged in. Ladies, we also have a women's Bible study that we're launching on Saturday. And so that's another uh, group where, where you can use your gift to, to serve others, where you can experience the care and the compassion of Christ as we pray for each other, as we follow Jesus together, as we help one another out in life. And so I want to encourage you to get involved in a group and to use what God has given you uh, to, to serve one another in love. So family, I want to encourage us as we are launching every week gatherings here uh as a church that, that we would continue to depend on the holy spirit to build us up in our in our unity in our diversity in our dependence upon in our care for one another and then use what god has given you use what he's given you to serve other people and so if you're wondering okay i don't know what that looks like uh let me know how how, how can i get involved again you can Talk to me after service. I'd love to to help you out uh, in, in that. But but as we re- reflect on the Lord Jesus, that our Lord Jesus right came from heaven to earth. He did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. That in response to experiencing the love of Jesus, who died and rose again for us, and has given us new life. Now he has given us his Spirit to equip us with the spiritual gifts, and to empower us to serve one another and to serve those in our community that don't know Jesus. And so let's, let's walk in a dependency upon the Spirit together. Let me go ahead and pray for us. Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit who is with us and who lives in us, who has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And uh, Lord, we pray that, that as we are motivated by your love, that we would love one another as Jesus has loved us. And use you have, you have given us to edify, to build your church. We thank you, Lord, for your great love for us. And we want to respond now to all the good that you have given to us uh, through songs of worship to you, and through communion. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.